Welcome to another episode of the Tim Wendelbo Coffee Podcast. Today we are doing the annual uh, yearly summary, <laughs> what happened in 2023. And to do that, I also brought uh, my traditional co-host for this uh, show, Mr. Guest. Mr. Oh, guest, I'm yeah. a guest, not a Mr. Ben Symes. Yeah. Welcome, Ben. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Good to uh, be back and uh, yeah, nice to round up 2023 with you. Yeah. Yeah. The year has gone fast. Mm. For those of you who don't know, Ben is our wholesale manager. You've been our uh, potato for many years. <laughs> now you're actually more specialized in wholesale. Yep. Uh, how many years have you worked here? Eight, seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a while. Up. Yeah. And uh, you've gone through, you've seen some changes going on this year. Yeah. Uh, we're going to sum up a lot of stuff that has happened in 2023, but I think uh, let's start with the easiest part, which is our own company. Yeah. There, because there has been some changes. Our team. Yeah. Yep. Maybe we, you want to mention some? Yeah. We welcomed the new um, COO, um, operating officer, uh, Helene. So, uh, yeah, she's my boss. Maybe she's your, your boss as well. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so we welcomed Helene and uh, we said farewell to Cecilia. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a big change for the company. Uh, we also lost Marit, who started the same time as me. So yeah. personally, I was sad to see her leave. She didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like it. <laughs> we lost her. We didn't? Yeah, yeah. we lost her. But um, yeah, she but, yeah, luckily, she's, she's staying in the same uh, industry. So she's working with um, uh, a coffee equipment uh, distributor yeah. here in Oslo. So we see her lots. And yeah, it's like 10 minutes away mm. from here. Yeah, she got a baby and uh, kind of had to change her uh, uh, daily routine, yeah, I guess. Yeah, she needed yeah. a bit more structure. Yeah. Working in the roastery and production, it's, uh, it's very early starts, long days. So uh, yeah. it's a little bit different. And also being a barista, you know, it's a lot of weekend work. And so, yeah, she's she's still in the, she's still part of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. We love her and it. Um, yeah. We, we've also hired some new baristas. Yeah. Which it sounds like we're hiring a lot of people, but um, the company has grown a little bit for the last year. So now we're, I think, 21 people. Mm. Um, there's a lot more to do here in the roastery. Uh, more yeah. web shop stuff to pack. We have a website that has been, uh, it will be launched on the 3rd of January. Yeah, new site coming soon. Yeah, so we've been doing a lot of work with that. Uh, the subscription has grown a lot, so we have more people involved in that. Uh, coffee shop has been super busy this summer, yeah. so we had to have more baristas. Um, so yeah, in general, we've had growth throughout the whole company. And of course, when you work with a lot of young people, uh, especially students that are part-time baristas, they tend to leave after a few years. Yeah because they move on. It is transitional. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think we're lucky though, because we s seem to have people staying a long time. Yeah. Um, of course, yeah, people stay, some stay longer, some stay shorter periods, but yeah. um, in general, we retain the staff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's always nice having new baristas too. So if you come into the cafe in Oslo, you will see a few new faces and um, yeah, but I must admit there's a very good team feeling right now and um, a yeah. lot of that is with the foundation and the the work that Cecilia and the, and Marit and the rest of the team have done. Yeah, P 
put us in a really good place. And yeah. now, um, yeah, I feel like we have a great team. And not to mention Stephanie, who's been training most of these people, especially in the coffee shop. But, yeah. um, and we also have a new team leader in the roastery, Mats, uh, which is actually not that new because he's actually been doing that work while Marit was away mm. on maternity leave. And then she came back uh, and she used to be the team leader. So she took that position back. And then uh, when she left, it was quite natural to give it back to Mats because he had already mm. done the work for uh, for a long time. Yeah. And he's working very closely with Daniel, who, who is our other roster. And uh, they're a great team yeah. down in the roastery. So Fantastic. Very enthusiastic and... Uh, Hardworking. Yeah, eager yeah. to learn. I yeah. think, you know, working in the roastery is... It's uh, long days and it's quite hard. It's, uh, it's not like it being working in a bar because in the bar you have customers. Uh, there's a lot of kind of uh, stress that you can't control. Yeah. In the roster you actually can control it, but yeah. uh, it's still a lot of like routine work. And yeah, and it's days. a big workload. Yeah. Uh, usually they're the ones that start first and leave last. Yeah. Because uh, and we do structure it so they get good breaks and. There's more people coming in, double shifts. and. Are you saying you come <laughs> in late and leave early? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being the roaster myself and starting early and then seeing you leave, Tim. So, um, no, Ter- it's terrible it's example. You just got to get production done. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, the orders keep coming in and we roast only to order every week. So we just uh, roast two days a week. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it is a really fun job, though. Yeah. I um, One thing that has been really different this year uh it was noticeable last year but this year was even worse not worse i mean we're fortunate that it is like this but um from may throughout september the store was packed Mm. there was a line out the door literally all day every day yeah Uh, and we had so many tourists and i I think it's partly because it's cheap to go to norway now our currency is quite cheap yeah so a lot of uh, people from Europe and US, Australia, Asia, they come to Norway to visit. Yeah. And uh, we're fortunate to be in a lot of the guides, in uh, the Oslo guides. And coffee coffee is kind of a destination thing in Oslo. So there's a few shops that yeah. people go visit. They visit uh, Supreme Roastworks. They visit us, Java, Mocha, Fuglen. Yeah. Uh, did I forget someone? I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is one of the tourist stops in Oslo. It's yeah. a small city, Oslo. There's not that much to see here. So no. uh, get a good coffee. and. There, but there's a lot of good coffee. And I have to mention, yeah. I think, actually, some of my favorite coffee experiences this year that has been outside our store has been at Kaffebrenneria. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Believe it or not, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not surprised because they're doing a lot of good work, and especially with their bean uh, sourcing program and the beans that they roast themselves are really high quality. So yeah. if you go there and just have a black cup of coffee, yeah. it's normally really, really good. And um, just for a bit of context, Café Brunnery is, is kind of like a small coffee coffee bar chain here in Oslo. Yeah, but it's not yeah. small. I, I well, think it's the biggest now. Yeah. Uh, I think they, they have like close to, No, I think it's closer to 50 stores. What? In Norway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're one of the biggest, but they've always, they were the first ones. I think they opened in 94. And um, they are very much focused on purchasing Capo Excellence coffees. Um, mm. They have long-term relationship with a lot of farms they buy from. Yeah. And uh, they have a small roastery now and doing yeah. a great job. So. Yeah, fantastic. So yeah. you see a, a great way to grow, like for them to still kind of approach quality. Yeah but also approach like a bigger segment of the market. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard to get good coffee out to the masses, but they are actually doing it. Yeah. And uh, in a very good way, I think. So kudos to those. <laughs> well done. 
Cool. Um, yeah, so it has been else? a busy year then. Yeah. I guess we talk about that in general. Because yeah. um, listening back to our wrap of 2022, we were a little bit pessimistic, I guess, about yeah. 23 yeah. and how it's going to um, yeah, be a, maybe a slower year for us yeah. or at least not as much growth as we normally forecast. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but the store has actually... I wouldn't say it's the main factor that we've had growth, but it's been a big part of it. Because mm. when the tourists come to the store, not only do they drink a lot of coffee drinks, they don't just buy one, they normally buy a few. <laughs> yeah, And they also buy bags to take home. So we've sold so many kilos. You know, Every week it's between 120 and 170 kilos. Yeah. In, oh, uh, in, in bags, retail bags. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of coffee, and yeah. um, which has been fantastic. Um, but I was a pessimistic, yeah, I remember yeah. that. I've forgotten about the, the start of 2023, but we were in the beginning of uh, harder economic times. Mm. In interest rates were going up, mm. inflation. Yeah. Uh, so we thought people would maybe spend less money on yeah. coffee. Tighten the purse strings a bit. Mm. Turns out it's almost the opposite. Yeah, maybe that's been their one luxury item. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's been a general trend, but I feel like most of the year, we, uh, been saying, oh, maybe after summer it's going to slow down a bit, or maybe after yeah. you know, this little period we'll we'll notice a bit of a downturn. But um, I'm still thinking like that. Uh, it's two weeks left of December, and I'm still thinking like yeah. that. <laughs> maybe yeah. we'll see it next week. We'll see. I guess we might. But um, I guess that is our prediction for 2024. But um, it's hard, I suppose, to really predict these consumer patterns. Yeah. Yeah. We can uh, get to 2024 at the end <laughs> of the show, but uh, yeah, we have to keep people waiting. What about wholesale? You, you, that's your main focus. Yeah. Is there anything in particular you want to mention there? Um, well, probably just following on with that, like in general, it's been very busy. Mm. Um, we have loads of small wholesale customers. So um, I was just counting before, we have over 300 customers who really? have ordered at least once this year. Wow. So that's not 300 that are ordering regularly from us, but... Um, yeah, in total, there's been 300 different places. So it's really fun to send to a lot of these small cafes, restaurants, yeah. um, other businesses around the world. Yeah, And we're, it's very um, diverse. So we, we Norway is our main market. We, we send a lot of coffee to Oslo and the rest of the country in Norway. Mm. Um, restaurants, cafes, offices, and that sort of thing. Mm. But we're seeing more and more orders coming in from um, international customers in the States. Canada mm. is mm. really growing. Yeah. China is a big market. Other parts of Europe. Yeah. Um, so it's really fun yeah, to just yeah, work with lots of different, you know, a really diverse bunch of uh, customers. Yeah. yeah. I think now is a good time if you're ever wondering to buy our coffee wholesale if and if you're abroad, now is the time because the Norwegian currency is so cheap yeah. compared to the dollar. Yeah. And uh, that means for us, it's very expensive to buy green coffee. <laughs> yeah. But uh, since, you know, it's the same for everyone in our market, it doesn't really matter that much. But uh, uh, it's especially like lucrative to export. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's better value now. So mm. we are seeing an increase in orders coming from US, like I said, Canada, yeah, um, yeah London, UK. Because, uh, yeah. Normally, the, the corona, the Norwegian corona is very strong and uh, it's an expensive country here. But, yeah, um, not anymore. No. So, yeah, changing. time to visit and time to order. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one of the, my highlights of the year, uh, well, I have to mention first, um, I think one of our 
very first wholesale customers. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the first, but uh, among the first uh, Café Mission in Bergen. Uh, I think it was this year, or was it the end of 2022? I don't remember, but they are 15 years. Yeah. Um, still going strong. Uh, still a great place to get coffee if you're yeah. in Bergen. Oh, it's an institution. Yeah. It's uh, one of the original coffee yeah. institutions in Norway. And uh, also, uh, in if you're in Bergen, you have to go to Lille Café Compagnie, which is actually the first coffee shop there, I think. Yeah. Which is tiny, tiny, but it's so nice to be there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're going to Bergen in January. Yeah. Um, to do a little bit of uh, seminars there and also a wine fair. So... Um, if you are in Bergen in January, make sure to to go there. Yep, yeah. we'll announce some events we're doing, but really looking forward to travel a bit next year mm. um, within Norway. Um, visit Bergen and Trondheim and yeah, yeah, some of the other bigger cities around the country and yeah, Trumsa. We yeah. have a good customer up there, Tullefsen. Yeah, so uh, which we're part owner in. <laughs> 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 so they better buy coffee from us. No. But Ida used to work for us. Uh, 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 for many years, and then she moved to Tromsø, which is her hometown, and opened a coffee shop yeah. last year. Uh, yeah, 2022. And uh, we're partners in the coffee shop, but kind of a silent partner. I've been helping her a little bit, but uh, uh, it was really difficult in the first year. Uh, yeah. But she managed to turn it around now, and uh, now it's actually uh, healthy. So. Yeah. Um, it's not easy opening these no. cafe businesses. I told her it takes two years, and yeah. she's managed to turn it around in like one and a half. A lot of hard work. But uh, it's a lot of work, yeah. yeah. I think uh, her workload is uh, unimaginable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's just the way it is. You it's know? quite a glamorous job. I guess if you've never worked in a cafe or you sort of dream of opening one from the outside, until you really get your hands, you know, roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty, like... Mm. You don't understand it. It is a lot of hard work. It's a uh, you know it's a weekends. It's a grueling job. Yeah, and, especially um, if you want to have these kind of smaller, uh, cozy, kind of neighborhoodish cafes. Yeah, it means you're working there. You know, at least uh, fifty hours a week. Yeah, and, uh, customer service. That's just the reality. Like mm. it, it, I don't glamorize it, but uh, if you want to make it run well, you have to do that for the, at least for the first two years. Yeah, um, especially here in Norway, where labor cost is so high. Yeah. Uh, but one of the highlights for me, at least, uh, I don't work a lot with wholesale, but I have a few clients that I take care of, and that's Noma <laughs> mm. in Copenhagen. And that's basically because I've been kind of working closely with them for since, I think, 2013, so 10 years maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, we have been, or I have been thinking about for many years to change the way they make coffee. And uh, it's been kind of a wish from them as well, but uh, we've never kind of managed to figure out the right way mm. and uh, uh, I remember when we started with their coffee program we introduced the V60 which you know today it's kind of basic but back then it was you know not new but it was kind of the thing yeah something different for restaurant service yeah because yeah. Uh, they used to serve in French press there's nothing wrong with that but uh, they wanted something cleaner and mm, uh, filtered yeah, yeah. So we went for the V60, and I remember people were furious because we didn't choose the siphon. Because back then, you know, every coffee person wanted uh, coffee to be a big thing in the restaurants, yeah. where you s uh, the waiters go, waiters come and serve the coffee and spend like thirty minutes making the coffee in front yeah. of you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not really. Uh, that's not going to happen. Nah, that's and uh, there were a few places who did, but uh, you know, that's not really the focus when you are at Noma. Yeah, so it's not practical to. I mean, yeah. long term to do something like that. 
And then uh, we, they have been serving V60 and espresso for a long time, and of course milk drinks if you want that. Um, but the problem was they spent so much time brewing coffee uh, and didn't have enough time yeah. with the guests. So Even with the V60. Uh, we managed to change the way they serve coffee now, and it's kind of a hybrid between the Matt Perger's coffee shots uh, and filtered coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and Americano, I guess. So we make a very kind of uh, concentrated brew on an espresso machine with filter roasted coffee. We filter it again uh, through a V60 paper filter, and then we dilute it to a little bit higher strength than a V60 coffee. Yeah. And the reason for this is because the coffee... Normally, after a meal with so many flavors, you're you're entering a phase of palate fatigue, I think, mm. or uh, you're just have so many impressions. So, in order for the coffee to really uh, shine or to stand out yeah. a little bit, yeah. it needs to be a little bit stronger. Yeah. Espresso for me is too strong, especially for the food and style of the Noma food. Yeah. So we ended up with something in between. Yeah. So you found a balance between having enough clarity in the coffee, but also having a brew that cut through. Yeah, a bit. You you might have had a lot of wine during dinner, mm -hmm. and you needed something that uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you want kind of something that um, yeah, that suits the whole situation, I guess. Yeah. And uh, although they kind of selected coffees specifically for the menu, and they still do, I always felt that it was a little too weak. Um, and mm. by brewing it stronger on the V60, it didn't really taste great. Yeah. So um, this is a new method and. We have recorded a podcast about it and also made a little uh, video on our Instagram about it. Lance Hedrick made yeah. a video about it yeah, on that's YouTube. Yeah, that's cool. Recommend checking out Lance's yeah. YouTube. The No Nomacano? No Macano? No Macano, he calls it. <laughs> we, we call it a Norwego, but uh, that's just because we like to have fun with the uh, Americano. Uh, but that was kind of a highlight, and uh, yeah. al although I don't make my own <laughs> coffee that way all the time, just because I can't be bothered turning on the espresso machine, it tastes really, really good. Yeah. And you've been the, we call it the test bunny or test... Yeah, yeah. guinea pig. Guinea pig, yeah. yeah. I'm happily there to taste these things. So, um, I, But I agree, like, it's sort of a little bit the way I work with restaurant customers here in Oslo too, is um, you have to think about the whole meal in its entirety. Mm. Um, so if we're doing filter coffee try to have the strength of the coffee a little bit higher than yeah. normal so that in strength we talk about tds total dissolved coffee solids mm. in the brew and i might push it up to 1.5 1.55 1.6 but with the ratio so you still get a very high extraction yeah um that way yeah at the end of a long meal with lots of different flavors and uh yeah lots of wine perhaps like you can still get something that cuts through and it's not just a weak kind of yeah. brown liquid yeah yeah, because we have to remember that we're famous for our light roast. And for a lot of guests, they're not maybe used to lighter roasts. Yeah. So even if the strength is quite high, a lot of people find the coffee to be very mild and sometimes weak because they're used to very dark roast. Or Yeah. And I mean, if you have a good quality grinder and you can get those high strengths, you can get very sweet coffees at high extraction. So yeah. kind of try to extract as much as possible yeah. until you get to the point where you're you're getting into the bitter territory and then scale it back a little bit. Yeah. That's a it's hard to extract enough on batch brews, I think. Yeah. It's really difficult to get to the, those really high numbers. Especially with aromatic coffees. Like if you have a really fruity Kenyan, like, wow, it just tastes fantastic at these really mm. high extractions. So, yeah. Unless it's uh, roasted too dark, then uh, you should take down the extraction, I think. <laughs> 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 it just gets bitter much faster. Yeah. Yeah. 
so everything is related and i mean we can maybe talk about optimizing brew in another episode because mm. that's uh, a topic that a lot of people find interesting i think yeah all right let's move on to the roastery um because mm. we're kind of splitting up this episode into different segments so uh not much to talk about in the roastery except uh, it's been record busy i think yeah we have cut back on uh on uh like sometimes in the past just to get enough work in the roastery we've kind of roasted sometimes coffee for other companies or just to fill in something but uh this is i think the first year we where we don't do anything like that so all the coffee we roasted in the roastery is for ourselves yeah. and still we've been the most busy yeah. ever uh how many tons is that roughly uh we are going to end on around 65 tons yeah. of green coffee oh yeah yeah so uh, last year i think we had 57 yeah. so it's quite a big increase yeah uh, some days we have double shifts uh double roll shifts yeah just to manage so i think the biggest day we had was in november um I think uh, uh, we had like a problem with the fuse inside our roaster <laughs> <laughs> Which never happens, but it it just happened. Only uh, happens when we have a forty batch day planned. Yeah, yeah. And we had uh, this this happened on like Monday morning, and we were supposed to roast uh, twenty four batches on Monday, twenty two on Tuesday, and then twenty on Wednesday, and another twenty on Thursday. So the biggest week we've had so far this year, and uh, the roaster <laughs> didn't uh, work. No. <laughs> So uh, I managed to uh, to hack it and uh, make it work on Tuesday, kind of late morning. And then we got the new part Tuesday afternoon. So we managed to fix the roster Tuesday afternoon. But uh, yeah, that was a stressful week. So they did uh, 80 batches in like two and a half days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we do 15 to 20 batches max in yeah. a day. So yeah. a batch might take... From start to finish, ten minutes plus a five-minute cooling time, yeah. and then yeah, so you know, and that's a packing. lot. That's a, yeah, yeah. But uh, our team managed to pull it off, and uh, that's I think one of the best things about our team is they're all very focused on solving the problems yeah. instead of complaining about it. So yeah. you know, there's not much you can do when stuff like that happens, other than solving it. And mm. uh, they all did, and uh, we got some extra manpower, and yeah, yeah we pulled through. Yeah, in the roastery, it runs so smooth now with production, like uh, Daniel and Mutz and the rest of the team. Yeah. They just get the job done. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's a lot of packing. It's a lot of logistics. It's a lot of uh, driving the coffee out. It's uh, yeah. yeah. It's about being organized, I think. Yeah. Have good, good systems. Good routines yeah. and uh, being uh, well organized yeah. and good training of people. Um, and it's actually mm. a very, very small roastery. For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, we have actually a time lapse on our YouTube channel from our roastery. And there you can see there's only three people working in there uh, during that day, but uh, you can see how efficient it is because we don't have to move a lot around a lot. It's uh, mm. you know, uh, it's very small. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to green coffee and uh, the coffees we have been mm. offering because yeah. uh, it was a good year, I think, in general. Did you have any favorites? Uh, I made a list here. So yeah, a <laughs> list. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back and think about what we had this year. Um, and then as I sort of looked through the 12 months, I was like, oh, that was good. Oh, that one was good as well. Yeah, yeah that one was also good. So um, there's been a few standouts. I guess one thing that really 
strikes my memory is having the tapmara as an iced filter coffee in oh, wow. our coffee bar. Mm. Usually we have like a Kenyan coffee as our cold filter coffee. Yeah. Um, and this time I just remember having the tamara and it just being wow. Like, mm. yeah, so tropical fruit, a lot of this kind of ripe strawberry flavors, maybe from the natural process, mm. but just really clean and sweet and no bitterness. It was, mm. yeah, it was fantastic as a ice cold filter coffee. Well, that took me by surprise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, because I'm not normally one for these natural yeah. flavored coffees, but um, or natural processed coffees. But yeah, just I really think that's a clean one, and I just love the sort of pineapple and and ripe kind of tropical fruit you get in that coffee, which comes from mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was a good coffee this year. Any other favorites? Yeah. Um, so probably the opposite end of the spectrum, Los Pyreneos. Yeah. Yeah. Diego's coffees. Yeah. Fantastic. The Pacamara, which we just had recently, was yeah. like just That yeah. was actually my favorite, I think. Yeah. Oh, there. Yeah. Mm. And just because I've tasted the Pacamaras from Los Pyreneos for so many years. And uh, even when Hilberto uh, had, you know, top ten placements in the Cup of Excellence, they never tasted as good as this. Yeah. Like this area was like so clear in the, this kind of winey red berry flavor. Yeah. Saturated and fruit yeah. like and yeah, dense kind of. And also his geisha this year was really good. Mm. I just copped the production copying from our subscription on yeah yesterday. <laughs> well, I was going to mention his bourbon or the oh, bourbon yeah. elite. Yes. Because, uh, yes. Yes. It's just, yeah. Um. yeah. I think he had he has had a two extremely good years yeah. uh, and it's not coincidental it's because of good work and yeah uh, a long-term work his dad passed away during covid and um diego took over and has been working with the same team since then and uh, i think they just continued to on the path that his father had kind of set and yeah. one of the things that i like with diego is that he's a little bit more opinionated on how he wants the coffees to taste like. Hilberto mm. was a little bit more open-minded and kind of let the clients suggest. But uh, Diego is more like he wants more clean, uh, less processed flavors, yeah. more kind of the variety flavors. And uh, mm. although he does make naturals and honey coffees and carbonic macerations, he's starting to use it as more of a refined technique where he, uh, especially with like the anaerobic stuff he yeah. he only uses it for a short while yeah. just to boost the flavor a little bit yeah. and not to kind of make the coffee go all crazy ways yeah. so like really a producer who recognizes cup quality mm. um tastes it himself and goes after it, rather than getting advice from someone like yourself and yeah. saying this is what the steps we can do to improve like the quality in the cup because often that's where we have the most experience with the coffee but he's very aware yeah. of like this is uh i mean I, i'm pretty clear on what i want from him so um uh, i send him uh, mail every year yeah. <laughs> before the harvest and say these are the coffees that i'm looking for and the amounts so th i think it's always good for a producer to know okay for tim i need to produce a certain amount for instance the first year i wanted to buy i think 100 bags or something and mm. i only got samples for 75 mm. and uh you know, there was no more coffee of that quality. So um, that means I ended up buying less than I wanted to. Yeah. And he wanted to sell me more, but, uh, you know. So this year we obviously got more, much more samples. And yeah. uh, so I think it's good to have that dialogue. But uh, of course, the, the techniques they're using there is also a result of 
that we have been working with his dad for many years. Yeah. But uh, I think Diego is just, uh, he understands the technique more because mm. he's uh, maybe a little bit more interested in the cupping. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, um, palette-wise, you guys are more aligned. Yeah, yeah. I think so. so. And also he has a very, very good cupper uh, that uh, he also knows my taste. Yeah. <laughs> so the samples that I got this year was pretty spot on. I, yeah. I, there were very few that I didn't like. Yeah. Whereas before it has been a little bit all over the place. Yeah. Uh, That's the benefit of a, such a long-term relationship, yeah. right? You guys know each other and you know what each other like and yeah. what. And yeah. But I have to get to know Diego and I, I think that's, for me, this year has been one of the highlights, actually. I spent a little bit more time with him, first mm. on the farm, then he came to Norway, spent yeah. a week here, and then we just spent a week in Guatemala together. So um, it's been uh, really good to get to know him better um, and to also listen to his vision about the farm because yeah. uh, I find yeah. it super interesting. Yeah. Any other so coffees that were a highlight of the year? Yep. Or? Okay. So Kenya, Karinga and Capsicicio. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just loved having Capsicicio back on the menu. It's mm. a different type of Kenyan flavor. Which, yeah. You know, so we, we get those a little bit more of this kind of apple flavor, acidity mm. in the cup. Um, a little bit more kind of high notes acidity mm. um, yeah just a different a point of difference in the in like the Kenyan season mm. Mm. so yeah I think for me um, also a highlight of this year was when I was in Kenya in February was it to cup coffees and they tasted so good yeah <laughs> much more of that kind of tropical fruit note that we were missing maybe for the last two three years yeah so in general they were uh, more intense, I think, and mm. uh, just m more fruity. Uh, so it was easy to buy coffees. Cups of Kisio tasted good. Yeah. I think the Kagere was fantastic. Um, mm. Karinga. I know we have a couple more in the pipeline that is very good. <laughs> <laughs> that will come uh, early 2024. Yeah, so it was it six or seven coffees we had from Kenya uh, this year. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. The only one that I struggled finding really good lots from was, I found found two, but uh, was Karagoto. And uh, mm. they actually had problems with uh, water. They didn't have water in the river where they used to take water to process the coffee. Ah. So they had to actually drive the coffee to Ngunguru, which is very close by. It's uh, one of the cooperatives, other washing station. Yeah. So Karagoto is part of the Tekangu cooperative and they have four washing stations. Yeah. So they had to kind of transport parchment to Nganguru, get it depulped, fermented, washed, and then take it back to the drying beds at Karagoto. Yeah. Because <laughs> they didn't have capacity at Nganguru. So um, there was a few lots with phenol and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but we found two lots that were really good. So we fortunately managed to buy those. But um, yeah. yeah, it's been uh, not... Uh, not easy for everyone, I think, there. Um, Kia Hia just delivered, like, three bags. Yeah. We bought them, but... Uh, yeah, <laughs> they went pretty quick. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so... But I think, in general, uh, quality in Kenya this year was really high. And, you know, there's always a debate whether Kenyan coffee's quality is going down in general. I think, yes, in mm. general, it is. Mm. Uh, partly because they're planting more, more of the Ruiru 11... They're grafting a lot of Riru on SL28 roots. Why is that? Uh, Just because Riru is resistant, resistant against yeah. leaf rust, yeah. CBD, I think, as well. Mm. But the only is being planted a little bit. And uh, in general, you know, the agriculture there mm. is 
uh, quite old school and uh, you see a lot of problems with leaf rust and you know mm. stuff like that so yeah. also the average age of the farmer is quite high <laughs> yeah so um there's not that much hope for Kenyan coffee for the future uh, i hope it will not disappear uh, and i hope there will be someone who professionalizing coffee mm. uh, but i at the same time i really hope that a uh, the value of the coffee will be higher because it's getting rare and uh, yeah if they can keep the quality you know that's uh, yeah but it's a difficult country to work in and we also recorded a podcast about Kenya i think it was this year uh, with morton yeah so you did yeah if you're interested in learning about yeah. more about the dynamics in Kenya you should listen to that because yeah. it's quite complex but uh, in general i think the quality of this year was really really good and as good as it has been you know for the last 10 years maybe yeah. Um, and but it's since we're small, it's easy still to find really good coffees. Yeah, because we don't have to buy containers and containers of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope we can get uh, Capsicizio again because yeah. something from West Kenya, I think, is um, yeah. It's just nice to have a really different flavor there. Yeah. Yeah. They have different varieties. So in this area, most of the farmers just planted K seven many years ago, mm. and uh, that was just just it's more rose hips and yeah. yeah kind of rhubarb a little bit different flavor yeah um i hope uh well there are things that are changing in kenya at the moment uh, some structural changes to how coffee is traded so i'm not sure what's going to happen you know 100 uh, percent when i'm going there to buy coffee next year but yeah. um, we'll find out mm. all right then uh, let's talk about ethiopia yeah <laughs> there's a lot to talk about that's been a real highlight of our year, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I think so, but um, uh, I think my highlight is what is to come, not what has been. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we we bought some good coffees this year, I think. Uh, both the Chemo was tasting really good. Mm. Um, Tatmara was really good. Yep. But... Chemo was like really easy to brew this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, compared to the previous years. Yeah, that's for sure. In terms of getting a high extraction yeah. and a, a sweet cup, it was like, yeah. Strange how I'm that not, changes. I'm not sure what the difference is from no. crop to crop. Not me but, either. Uh, Maybe yeah. they just had a better year. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, there is more potential though. So I've always said that uh, I know these are not, well, especially at Chemo, the washed coffee is maybe not the best coffee in Ethiopia at the moment. Mm. But our goal is to make it one of the best. <laughs> yeah. And that's the same with Tatmara too. So yeah. there's a lot of things happened this year which bodes well for the future. Yeah. yeah. So I was there in November. Um, the plan was to go much earlier. Uh, but we started buying coffee from both of them in 2019. Um, and then COVID happened. Mm. So my goal of kind of trying to find a few farmers that I could work with closely was to, to be able to uh, positively affect uh, have a positive effect on how they produce the coffee yeah. to improve the quality. A bit like what you do with Diego in Los Pirineos. Yeah, but, uh, and like Tom and I in Colombia, for instance, where we kind of changed exactly. everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, COVID came, I wasn't able to go. The next year, there was a little bit of... Uh, uh, social unrest so I was advised not to go uh, so the years kind of flew by um, I managed to go this year and the reason why I wanted to go regardless of the situation <laughs> was because uh, in 2022 we collected money on our 15 year anniversary yeah. so uh, when we have these anniversaries we sometimes have um, 
um, uh, a day in the store where we allow the guests to pay whatever they want. Yeah, it's a fundraiser. Yeah. People donate. And yeah. we uh, allocate the money afterwards to a project that we want. So it could be like building dryers on a farm or, you know. Yeah, shade trees or. Yeah. yeah. We built drying tables at Karagota once. Yeah. Um, so last year, the project was about uh, building a wet mill at Tatmara. Mm. And the whole reason for that was in 2020, I think, he produced uh, 80 bags of coffee for us, but the samples were really baggy when we received them yeah. um, because he had too much rain. Yeah. And it's really difficult to dry naturals when it rains. Yeah, and that's common there as well, isn't it, in Kaffa? Yeah, in, in, his, in his region, yeah, yeah, it's really common. It's quite um, wet, so. so it rains a lot during harvest. And uh, when you have like whole cherries that you're trying to dry, it's not so smart to cover them during a day of rain because they start getting moldy. Yeah. So um, you can only cover it that much to protect it from rain. Mm. And uh, so the coffee got wet and dry and wet and dry. Yeah. Um, so I thought immediately, you know, he needs to be able to wash coffees because when you remove the pulp and the skin, it's more easy to dry the just the beans with the parchment. Yeah. Around. And it's easier to cover them without getting too much mold and stuff like yeah. that. So um, we collected money to build a wet mill. And uh, I think we raised a little bit more than $5,000. We chipped in a little bit more. Uh, Christophe from Terre de Café in uh, Paris, he also wanted to sponsor because he also buys coffee from Tatmara. Yeah. And I think Belco also chipped in a little bit. Belco is an import company that helps us with logistics and follow-up in Ethiopia. Ethiopia. So... Um, we managed to build a mill. It was finished in uh, October <laughs> this yeah. year. Yeah, just just gone. Yeah. So in November, I was there to kind of uh, be there while Negusia washed his first coffee. First harvest, yeah. Yeah, which was fantastic. And uh, Negusia was super happy. Uh, he was extremely worried because he has never washed coffee before. Uh, Belko has uh, Fantanesh and Shambe, who works for Belko in, in Ethiopia. They have an office in Ethiopia. They have been there uh, several weeks now to train his staff and himself. Yeah. Depulping. Depulping, washing, Mucilage. soaking, and drying. Yeah. So drying wash coffee is different than drying natural. So you have to you have to know what to do yeah. to make it best. Yeah. So um, we just received the sample today, actually. And uh, I couldn't wait, so I put it in the roaster. <laughs> and we already brewed it. And yeah. it tasted fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those coffees are going to be really, really. It's really so good. exciting, yeah. honestly. It's I can't wait till next May now after having seen yeah. that just before May or June, I think yeah. it will come. So that's one of the things uh, I did when I was there, and also we we looked at the logistics both for Echemo, Khalid's coffees, and uh, Negusi's coffees from Tatmara, because uh, I feel like uh, the coffees, the quality kind of was lost a little bit from when it was harvested until it reached Norway. And this is quite normal if you are mm. not in control of the whole chain. Um, so we started asking them to separate every single picking um, that they made for us, uh, store it separately in grain pro bags so they don't increase in moisture while they're yeah. being stored. Um, and then they will take samples from each lot sent to me in January. We will cut through all of the samples. Mm. We will then mix the lots together to build bigger lots because it's difficult to mill you yeah. know, like 20 kilos here, 50 kilos there. Yeah, of certain qualities. Yeah. yeah. But we do this, we keep them separate in order to kind of take out if there are any bad ones. Exactly. 
Or if we can see that, uh, okay, lot number four and five are a little bit higher moisture, so take them out on the drying tables one more day and then we can buy them. Yeah. Um, because what happened um, in previous years is that they mix everything together and then after a certain time you start tasting that the coffee gets woody or something because there mm. might be a lot inside the mix that is high in moisture or something. Yeah. So we looked at that and then we also looked at the dry mill. The dry mill, w mill we were using was huge and not great. Yeah. <laughs> Very disorganized. We have had cases where we've m noticed that during roasting, the coffee roasts completely different. And uh, when we taste the coffee afterwards, it, it is a completely different coffee. We can measure that it's a different coffee. So that's a stage in the process where you can lose track of the... Yeah the coffee basically so maybe they didn't have enough coffee to sell us the 50 bags that was contracted and they just put in some extra mm -hmm. bags or who knows but um, yeah it's not uncommon for to hear about these things yeah because um, they're small farms they arrive at a dry mill like this they're at the back of the queue yeah they just have to deal with it yeah and yeah especially if you're in a huge mill so we we actually changed the mill now <laughs> to a smaller one where uh, we can have some representatives present while they're milling the coffee. And we're also getting it vacuum packed, which makes a huge yeah. difference in shelf life. Yeah. So, um, so a lot of extra stages there. Yeah, from, uh, a lot of work, but uh, we have, mm, with the help of uh, the team of Belco, they're following up and uh, we're in, in dialogue every week almost to make sure it happens. Yeah. And I, I just know, you know, that the coffees will be much oh, better. It's going to be so worth it. Yeah. Like tasting that Tatmara now, like it's a really different profile. Yeah. It's so much more citrus kind of. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. We'll still get naturals from him uh, for sure. But um, at least now, if the naturals are difficult to dry, you can make more washed coffees. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think, I don't remember exactly, but we ordered uh, maybe not 50 50, but I said maybe he should make 40 bags of washed just to try it out first year. Yeah. We guarantee that we buy them, uh, regardless of quality. And uh, as long as they meet certain moisture standards and that he's followed the protocol, and then the rest will be the naturals. And then we can see maybe next year will we'll increase or, yeah. yeah. Listening to the previous episode of this podcast with Naguse, yeah. he seemed like he was very happy about it because yeah, you get that extra flexibility. Yeah. But um, it's also maybe a little bit less logistics for the washed coffee, as funny as that sounds. Yeah, but, uh, it yeah. is for sure. Um, he actually, also what's going to make the naturals better for him this year is that he built a dry mill close to his farm. Uh, but it's not a complete dry mill. It's a dry mill that removes the husk from the naturals before yeah. they're driven to others for further milling and export. And uh, before he had to do this on a centralized mill in Jima, uh, where he still has to stand in line and everything. Yeah. So now he has control of the whole process, which also will make the coffee better. But the washed coffee doesn't have to do that. It's as soon as it's dried, you can just drive it straight to Aldis. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah. So and also they are planting more coffee trees on uh, both of these farms. And uh, Khalid is the HMO coffee is for now mainly his old varieties that his grandfather planted. But he's starting to also harvest a little bit of the new varieties, 74110 and all these. Mm. Uh, and we know that they taste very good. So I think that coffee will maybe change a little bit, but also improve mm. for sure. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, we'll probably make another episode about Ethiopia when we have tasted the coffees yeah. next year. Yeah. 
because um, yeah, I'm just so excited about it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. All right, let's move on to. We talked about Los Pirineos, Ethiopia, Kenya. What about the Caballeros? Yeah, what about Moises and uh, Marisabel? <laughs> they visited us this year as well. That yeah. was a, that was a personal highlight because yeah. they're just lovely people, and you get big warm hugs and embraces from yeah. both of them, and just yeah, meeting the producers. They're the real stars of the show. So any time mm. that they come here to Norway, it's uh, yeah, it's a fantastic experience. And they love coming here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Marisabel knows more about Oslo than I do because yeah. she do, do all the research and which street to walk in and yeah. if she's read about the street in a book uh, you know she wants to see that street so yeah. she can visualize it uh, I actually went on vacation with them in Greece after the World of Coffee show because they were there so we decided to go on a Greek island together yeah. which was fantastic so nice. spent a lot of time with them this year they also came to Guatemala with me in November um and, uh, you know, there's not much to say about them because they're doing such a good job. Yeah. Uh, they're improving every year. Um, now Moises is in control of the whole, like, picking. Yeah. Always they have been in control of processing. Yeah. Drying is much better now. Uh, he's drying all our the coffees we buy at their house in Marcala, which is very dry conditions. Yeah. It's under shade. Um, then he has an, a dry mill, which is finished now with, you know, color sorters and everything. Yeah. Uh, we have been discussing which screens to get. So for certain coffees, we want screen, uh, let's say, 17 and up. Other coffees, we want screen 15 to 17. Mm. So we're really specializing those coffees. So they're, they're so much more consistent. Yeah. And, um, you can taste it. Yeah. They're so, so clean, transparent, like all the like those processing steps that you just mentioned. Yeah. They're in control. I think that's a hallmark of Cabrera coffee. Yeah. Plus we get lots of varieties, so you get lots of different flavors from them. Yeah. And they really shine out because they are so transparent and clean, these cups. Mm. I think the Batian they produced this year was mm. really good. Yeah. Uh, and they are producing more of that. We had a little bit, didn't we? Yeah. I think that went to subscription. Yeah. Yeah. Part of our a monthly subscription. He's planting more of it, so I think we'll get even more next year. Um, the uh, geisha was really good. Yeah, this the geisha is always my favorite. At least the last favorite. lot. Yeah, that was uh, fantastic. You, you know, um, when we, it seems like we have the same coffee from them all the way around. But uh, I think we bought three or four different lots of Katwai. We had at least two different lots of Batian, two different lots of SL28. We yeah. had three different lots of geisha. We had a Pacamara. Yeah. So. And every lot is slightly different, yeah. uh, but in general, very consistent. I think it's like the benefits of working with less uh, producers, but buying more co different coffees from them. Yeah. You get these um, yeah, different flavors. You get these amazing different types of coffees that you can use, but you get a better relationship. You get to concentrate more on mm. you know all those things that make a cup better. Mm. So. One of the sad things uh, that I have to mention, because it's not all glory in the coffee world, um, there is a big trend at the moment uh, uh, that coffee buyers, coffee roasters, want cheaper coffee. Mm. We can talk a little bit more about that. But um, one of the things Moises mentioned to me while we were in Guatemala was that his, some of his long-term clients are now asking for lower prices, mm. lower than they have been paying, which, you know, for me, it doesn't make sense at all. They, they, yeah, they have inflation, but Moises and Honduras <laughs> has inflation too. The fertilizer prices are going up, labor cost is going up. 
So he's actually talking about scaling down a little bit because uh, he's like he says it's too much work and yeah. for nothing. He doesn't want to sell no. lower quality coffees at cheaper prices. No, same amount of work. Fortunately, they have a lot of land. Like they have, I think, two hundred and fifty hectares now because they bought Marisabel's father's land as yeah. well because mm. he's retiring. But uh, so they. But he said like he's planning on renovating at least half of the farms next year because he doesn't want to work yeah it's too much it's it's quite uh, surprising to hear that yeah roasters or importers who have long-term relationships with him they don't understand that inflation is not just limited to like consumers (laughs) or these consuming countries yeah like obviously their prices are going up too yeah like production doesn't get cheaper yeah how can they take less it's I mean, the the only answer to this is that because they can get good to. coffee elsewhere. Yeah, they're forced to. And uh, they think that uh, the only way to make money is to buy cheap. Yeah. You know? And uh, in my experience, it's not the case. But, uh, you know, it's the way it is. We can talk a little bit more about that later. Let's uh, also mention um, there are two farms where we actually haven't really released the coffees yet. Uh from the 2023 harvest mm. but uh we have nascimento yeah which in 2022 had extremely low yields because of climate yeah uh in 2023 his yields went up and uh, i think one of my other favorite coffees this year is his sl28 yeah it's yeah. so good <laughs> <laughs> so fruity i brought a few bags from our subscription when we roasted that for our subscription and i went to colombia and i brought a few bags and i was just enjoying that coffee so much yeah yeah it's so jammy Mm. whiny got that uh dark red fruit flavor yeah yeah super super good and uh he's also uh actually uh, he bought some land i think 20 in 2017 or something he bought some other pieces of land in El Sauce, which is close to El Cielito, where he's... Yeah. Takes is this the, the Viking farm? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> one of them is called El Vikingo, where, yeah. where he grows geisha. He also had a, a farm called El Mono, which he had some SL28 and I think also some Bourbon. Uh, and uh, Finca Berta, which is his mother's name, where he has Pacamara. Yeah. But, um, and the coffees taste really good from there. Uh, but he actually just decided to sell part uh, part of that land because it was too much work. Yep. And uh, one of the challenges they have in Honduras at the moment is labor. They they can't get labor Yeah, right. because of migration. There's a lot of people moving to the US. Mm. So getting labor, uh, the cost is going up and also the lack of labor is growing. Yeah. So um, I think he made a good decision to focus more on the actual farm study yeah. He's working re- that he knows is working very well. Um, there's no doubt that the one Nascimento and Celito Lindo is has mm. better altitude than the other ones. Yeah, and so the potential there is higher. Yeah, but, um, it's a bit tough to hear that. Uh, you know, he, he, with he he's very prosperous, but uh, he has to scale back a little bit. Mm. And I don't know the whole story. I just heard this like last month, so I need to go there to talk to him. Yeah, and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. But like that was another highlight for me. I had that on my list, uh, SL28 from mm. Nascimento plus, you know, yeah. Yeah. And but I know we have some uh, Icafe Noventa from his father's farm, Cielito Lindo, 
uh, Ica Fenomenta is uh, Ica Fenomenta 90, yeah. <laughs> which is a hybrid uh, that people are very skeptical about. But from this farm, it just tastes phenomenal. Yeah. And it's tasted so phenomenal that it got fourth place and third place and fifth place in Cup of Excellence. So yeah. it's uh, one of the best coffees. We actually won Nordic Roaster with it yep. a couple of years ago. Um, so that coffee is also really good. And then maybe last but not least, let's talk about Finca Tamana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good old Elias. Yeah. yeah. One of the, I mean, I spent a lot of time there this year, obviously, because I have my farm next doors. My farm is progressing. We'll probably make an episode about that in January or February. Yeah. Because we're launching our first coffee from Finca El Suelo. Not, not our first, but our first exported coffee. That is properly exported on paper. <laughs> <laughs> what, not smuggled in your bags? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we actually managed to make a box of 24 kilos of coffee that we shipped wow. with the Tamana coffees. So one roast batch for yeah. us. Yeah. And I have a little bit of extra that I brought back. Uh, so maybe it'll be a 30 kilo batch. Uh, and that will be sold in February, I think. Yeah. So, um, and it's tasting really good. The coffee is progressing. There was a lot of flowers on my trees when I was there yep. uh, in uh, November. So that means in July-ish, we will have more harvest. More cherries. Yeah. Yep. So next year, we're looking for a bigger harvest for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a slow process, but it's gradual. Yeah. Step by step. Getting I'm, better. I'm patient. Yeah. I know it will work eventually. It's just figuring it out. Is it still that Ethiopian variety that we have yeah. now? That's the... Yeah. yeah. From, uh, from Hilberto, actually. The yeah. seeds. So yeah. tasting really good. But we can talk about that in a different episode. Let's talk about Tamana. Yeah. Because uh, I was there in August to cut the harvest. And we cut over 100 samples. Yeah. Just from the main harvest. That's a lot of separation. Yeah. <laughs> so every picking is separate. That's a lot of lots. Every variety is separate. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot. So we spent a full day from morning till late evening just roasting and milling and sorting. So I had uh, I was doing the roasting on the rest, which is easy. You you can yeah. sit and have a beer and so they've got a sample roaster down there. Rust uh, yeah. is a Norwegian made sample roaster. Yeah, yeah. And um, we actually had to move it to Diego's house in Garson because the electricity on the farm is not stable enough to roast all day. Yeah. So it only works in the morning there. Yeah. So but in Garson we have good electricity, so we can roast all day. So. I was roasting Diego and his friend Charles was uh, screening and sorting out defects. And then uh, Bernie was doing the, the milling of the samples yeah. and marking and, you know, writing down. Good team. Um, so we spent four people a full day just preparing the samples. And uh, then I spent two weeks cupping, actually, because mm -hmm. I like to... Um, not just cup once. Yeah, several times. Yeah. yeah, so I did actually cup in the morning and then I went to work in my farm in the afternoon. Um, and then I would kind of do a pre-selection of the best ones and then do a recap and then do a recap and recap and recap yeah. and recap. So um, I was super happy with the results. The the quality, I, th I, I say this every year, but this year the quality was like super consistent, yeah. very fruity coffees, yeah. which is not always the case. Um, we have, I think we bought eight different varieties. Caturon in. Caturon. Yeah. It was Caturon. tasting phenomenal. It's so distinct. Yeah. It's um, like orangey. Yeah. Yeah. It's like herbal papaya. Yeah. Something. We bought SL28. 
tasting mildly fruity, not not like that jammy not blackcurrant like thing. Not like cemento one. No, no, it's more like a, it's red berries, stone fruits, but a very delicate. Mm. The geisha, pretty similar to the SL28. Yeah. We bought bourbon, uh, which yeah. tastes like bourbon, yeah. really good. Variedad <laughs> uh, Colombia, we bought Catura, we bought Castillo, and yeah. I'm missing the Java. Java, yeah. Java was the best actually. Yeah, creamy. S- super floral, um, but only 48 kilos. So <laughs> we'll see wh- how that lands. <laughs> yeah, so out of all those, let's uh, say so you roasted 100 samples, you copped through all those lots. How much of that do we buy? I think uh, we ended up buying around 40 lots. Yeah. Um, So what happens to the rest of it? I'll get to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll explain. 40 lots. uh, But, you know, there might be like four Geisha lots, uh, 20 Varidad Colombia lots. Yeah. So then we put them together into bigger lots. They're all different sizes. Based on moisture content size and when they were harvested yeah so classical example we won't mix a lot that is picked early june with the one that's picked late august yeah we want to keep those separate yeah and we don't want to mix a lot that has 11 percent moisture with a lot that has nine you know Mm. we don't really buy coffees with 11 percent but uh (laughs) yeah um just to make an example in that case yeah the lots we don't buy is kind of uh there for elias to sell to whomever yeah uh but that's becoming more and more difficult because there are buyers who wants to buy the coffee but they're not necessarily willing to pay for the cost of producing high quality coffee yeah so he's getting the same pressures put on him yeah as you spoke about with cabello yeah Mm. so when he's offered like two dollars fifty for that coffee Mm. he just has to say no Mm. because it's it's like he almost wants it's better for him to just sell it in the market for a dollar eighty yeah because of the principle yeah, because uh, the cost for producing that coffee is higher than two fifty, and yeah. uh, so um, <clears throat> it's really challenging for him. And I still think he has coffee that he needs to sell. Um, yeah. We need uh, to buy more. Yeah, that's yeah. the goal. <laughs> that's the goal for sure. Yeah, that's the good way we can think about how if we can grow a little bit more, we can support. We can know we can buy more coffee from Elias, yeah. from Moises, yeah, yeah Yobnil. They all seem to be struggling to invest more in their farm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Tabana is quite small compared to, and Hobnil's farm is just sixteen hectares. So, yeah. but um, yeah, Elias is also struggling with labor. Uh, it's not easy to get. There's more uh, unrest in Colombia at the mm. moment, so yeah. a little bit less security. Yeah. Um, so he has to be careful. Um, there's also. Um, he has struggled uh, to have like a stable manager there. So he has had good managers, but um, in the start of this year, his wife got quite sick. Mm-hmm. So he had to spend a little bit more time in the town in hospital and stuff. So, uh, and then he also at the same time had to change managers twice. Mm. And uh, in that period, the coffees really suffered. Yeah. And uh, the obvious way to see it was that the moisture was too high. Yeah. But um, we managed to buy coffees from the later part of the season and also i advised him to dry the coffees more so that he was able to sell them because even if the coffees are good people will not buy coffees that have you know 12 percent moisture that's just the way it is (laughs) yeah so um it's too risky yeah yeah in terms of the coffee ages too fast when it arrives to us it gets baggy and then woody and yeah yeah wow we talked for a long time but uh, (laughs) we have a few more points um 
I was mentioning the coffee market in general, and uh, uh, I don't think I'm going to elaborate as much in this episode about it, but I want to mention it because it's a trend that I've seen that is kind of a, a little bit sad to see. Um, we live in this kind of world of, uh, we have this illusion where specialty coffee, people call it, I don't like to use that w- word or... Mm. Um, what's so special about it? Yeah, what's so special about <laughs> it? Um, yeah, it's become a bit of a slang, like yeah. specialty coffee. Yeah. If you go to a specialty coffee fair, you know you have commercial coffee there. You have everything there, so yeah. everyone can use the term, mm. and it's not very precise. But Wishy-washy. we we still live in this illu- illusion that uh, specialty coffee means that you're buying higher quality coffees, you're paying more, and so the farmers are better off. It turns out in 2023 that most buyers want cheaper coffees. Mm. They call it good 84-point coffees, mm. which is strange because either good it's 84 coffees. points or it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it literally means they want the best possible coffee, but for the lowest possible price. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, you can still travel around cup coffees and take advantage and get these kind of coffees. But um, the more we do this, the less coffees will be available in the market that has good quality because yeah. you see the f- cost of the f- for the farmers is growing yeah and their willingness to produce coffee of good quality is getting less and there's less there's no incentive to do it if you no. just uh, yeah so you see Moises wants to scale down a little bit uh, same with Hobnil yeah know? exactly and even we're paying good prices but they also have other clients you know and um, so it's it's tough and um, um, I, I we call it in Norway it's a way for the coffee industry we want to kind of save money now but it's kind of like pissing in your pants to keep warm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we say in Norway that's a Norwegian expression yeah, yeah it will last sense. you yeah. a minute and then uh, you get really cold and afterwards it's worse yeah yeah so it's a, just a short short term kind yeah. of attitude yeah yeah and if you want to keep uh, if you want to incentivize people to grow good coffee also in the future, it's your suppliers you were talking about. Mm. You have to make sure they are paid a fair price so they can invest in their farms, yeah. which is you see a lot is not going to happen. Uh, I think good coffees will be more expensive and rarer, and uh, the rest will be cheap, yeah. low-quality coffee. And you can taste the difference. That's yeah. the thing, and uh, people notice it. So I think um, if, if people are on the lookout for what you call these good 84-point coffees, yeah. Eventually, over some time, you're going to notice uh, yeah, the quality. I think so. Not improving. In Norway, it's a quite educated market, I would say. I had a tasting in another city in, Os- in Norway, in Oslo, in Norway this year, and uh, where I just for fun went and bought a bag of Brazilian coffee from a local small roastery that is quite well known. Yeah. Um, and then I bought a Brazilian coffee from the supermarket. Uh, and my point with the whole tasting was to show that there was, you know, a difference between yeah. good quality and low quality. Brazil, yeah. It turned out the supermarket coffee was better. Oh. Because <laughs> the one that I bought from the special roaster, uh, the coffee was woody. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but it was still sold as... Tried to get know, rid of it. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, that can be a one case thing, but uh, this just shows that if you... It's it's not easy to fool the consumers because they can notice the difference. Spend more money on your raw product. Yeah. Buy better quality green coffee. Maybe less money on your, I don't know, marketing or 
packaging or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's what's inside that counts. And, you know, the quali- we know the quality comes from the producers. Yeah. So uh, just roast it well and, yeah, pick the good coffees. <sighs> Let's hope it changes. But uh, I that fear hard. that I, I, I feel like it's maybe the industry getting a little bit more. more it's changing a little bit. Yeah. It, it's been since I started, it has been a lot of people with a lot of passion who opened they were more passionate about coffee than running businesses yeah a bit more idealistic yeah maybe and now you see a lot of people got into the coffee industry for the sake of the business yeah uh which is weird because it's not very good business (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's why (laughs) but um yeah and i I, you know i'm generalizing there are of course exceptions um yeah and some of my favorite roasters uh and that i highly uh, regard as being a great model for how you should treat uh, farmers and your purchasing model is the coffee collective yeah. for instance yeah, just shout out. so if you want to know how to do it just look at their program exactly <laughs> i guess like you know it's it's normal that people are a little bit nervous about the market like yeah we do see inflation we see people cutting costs and so it's normal that people are a bit nervous about yeah, but it's sometimes it's strange if you're opening a, a company that is based around serving the best quality coffees, mm. and then you start buying lower quality coffees because you think mm. you have to do it to survive. Then you've kind of lost the whole point of your business. We need a new term. Specialty doesn't work anymore. We can call it. Uh, I, I remember Specialish. I listened to a video that Maxwell Colonna Dashwood had on YouTube, and he's called it the race to the bottom. Yeah, that's because uh, you're you're kind of racing to get the lower price. And to get there, you have to buy lower quality, and then it just becomes a vicious circle. Nobody wins. Yeah. So hopefully this will trend will turn turn around. Let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, At least we might stand out more and more because I guess your approach is is different. So in a way, like we can we can use that to like highlight. Well, look at the difference in quality. Yeah. Look at the difference in the way you work this method creates results yeah i think we will clearly see it uh i mean i clearly see it in colombia mm. yeah tamana is not the best possible farm i could find there mm. but we managed to turn the quality from a solid 83 point coffee mm. to now being a consistent 86 point coffee and it has been for many years and uh for me that's the knowing how the coffee is produced knowing uh, the whole process so that I know mm. the value of the coffee stays the same for the entire year that we have to keep it uh, is much more worth than having like mm. one coffee that is 90 points that I don't know anything about and uh, blending it with something else, you know. <laughs> um, that's something you spoke to me about earlier in the year that really re- I remember and it stands out to me is that you used to think about maybe 10 years ago, it was like, wow, who had the best coffee on the table? So yeah. you'd have a lineup of Kenyans and that one was just crazy aromatic. And yeah. I remember I tasted one from Workshop this year that yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. That was great. And um, it used to be like that. You'd go, okay, got to have the best coffee, got to have the best cup. Mm. But now you sort of think about quality in a different way. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. And uh, I frankly don't care if our coffee is the best on the table. Uh, of course, I want to be... Uh, we aim to be a, one yeah. of the best roasters in the world, but for me, the final quality in the cup is more than just what it tastes like. Yeah, like in knowing how it's produced and it's everything, so how consistent it is, that I can get it year after year. Yeah, 
uh, all these things mean something. And not I know like that some customers disagree. Like they just want the best flavor. Yeah. Then you're cherry picking, kind of. Yeah, yeah, a little bit maybe. Uh, but I just don't get pleasure drinking a coffee if I know that it's you know been heavily sprayed and mm. the workers are not paid well, and that yeah. doesn't give me a good flavor in yeah. the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good experience. No. Mm. All right. Um, but that coffee from workshop was crazy good, I must have said. Do you remember the name of no, it? No, we'll have to get it. It was a Kenya. Kenya. Yeah, it was a Kenyan. It was great. Yeah. It was uh, just mine, like just bursting with flavor. Next level. Yeah. And that just shows that you can go to Kenya if your timing is right. Yeah. You can get just like an outstanding lot. They still exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I think we had uh, really good coffees this year as well, but that was like next level. Yeah. And none of the coffees that I tasted when I was there had that kind of intensity. That intensity, no. yeah. But uh, I'm fine, you know, we had really good coffees too. Mm. Um, okay. One thing that was really a highlight for me was, uh, I think maybe apart from the Ethiopia trip, the other highlight also happened in November, and that was my trip to Guatemala. Yeah. Because I invited um, uh, Marisabella Moises, uh, Job Neil. He didn't show up, but uh, the exporter he work, works with, Benjamin Paz, yeah. which is famous, uh, he showed Benjamin up in, on behalf of Job Neil. And um, Diego from Los Pineos came, and Elias and Bernie came. Yeah. It was their first time outside of Colombia. Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we traveled together. Um, there was some trouble in immigration, but uh, we managed to, <laughs> to get them out. <laughs> With the Colombians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, yeah. you know, that's another story. Um, you think there'd be the Norwegian who'd have trouble getting <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but, but this was your second trip to Guatemala? Yeah, I went, yeah. I went last year in November uh, to visit a producer called Jose Mora Josue Morales. He has a big uh, wet mill. Um, where he produces a lot of coffee. So he manages wow. several farms. Some of them are conventional. That means they put mineral fertilizer, pesticides, fungicides, all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, and then he also manages organic farms, which is his passion, uh, uh, with no kind of chemical inputs. Mm. Uh, and he uses compost and works with soil biology, just like I do on mm. Tinka del Suelo. Yeah. And he, of course, has a manager on the farm and they work on the farm every day. So they're doing it with great success. Yeah. So it's an inspiration for you to, to yeah. see the, like, the results they get. Yeah. And also just to see it in a bigger scale because yeah. um, the farms are quite big. Uh, so I wanted to, I was very much inspired uh, there last year and I wanted to bring uh, Marisabel and Moises and Hobnil, all the farmers we buy from in Latin America, to go and see because my dream is that. In 10 years, we will only buy organic coffee from yeah. from Latin America. Yeah. So you want to show them that yeah. there's, there's a way of doing this. And I've been talking about this for many years with them, but uh, none of them are have been like really willing to do it until maybe now. I talked to Diego in February when I was there, and he was, or in March, and he was. He said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to to try." Yeah. Because he sees that he needs to change the fertilizer costs are going up. Diego Barona. Yeah. Yeah. Los Pernes. Um The fertilizer cost is going up. Uh, he doesn't like to spray herbicides. You know, it's yeah. when you have to wear gas mask when you're working <laughs> on the farm. You, you know, <laughs> not a good sign. No, you're producing uh, food. Yeah. Like, 
doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, Marisabel and Moises are in a state where they can actually do it. They've been planting a lot of shades. They uh, are already making some compost. Uh, Hobnili has also planted shades, so he's kind of yeah, getting along. The, way, yeah. the same with Elias and Beani. And uh, so we went there for a week to learn. Uh, we visited a farm in Koban, saw how they harvested microorganisms from the forest. Uh, we oh, yeah. visited a big cooperative, saw how they made compost and some other like ferment anaerobically fermented uh, soups, they call it. Yeah. But, uh, it's like yeah. microorganism applications. And then we visited the Josue's farm where we saw how he works which is more like what I do with aerobic organisms and composts. Yeah. They're and diversity, yeah. planting different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, he was, they were all quite impressed, um, especially when he talked about the numbers because the production yeah. doesn't go down a lot. Uh, the the cherries weigh a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So they're more dense. Yeah. And um, his cost was one sixth of yeah. production cost. And that's just probably fertilizer. Yeah. Yeah. And also they saw how easy it is to make compost uh, and the kind of things you have to think about. So mm. they're all quite motivated. So yeah. in March next year, or like 2024, we're already going to meet again and uh, start planning how do we do this together. Practically. Yeah. Because if we work as a team, we can share knowledge, share experience. Yeah. Uh, it will be easier for everyone. Fantastic. So good. So hopefully in 10 years, we will have organic coffee. Yeah. Not just because I know that that's the way forward for any agriculture, because we can't keep continue for farming the way we do. Mm. Um, it's not sustainable. It's not good for carbon capturing and all these kind of things. But also, I believe it's much better for quality because yeah. uh, the trees will be more healthy. You see, like uh, Josue's trees, they have leaf rust, but the trees have leaves. Yeah, the leaves doesn't fall off. They are there with some leaf rust on but they're not kind of overtaking the whole tree and yeah if you see uh, for instance elias's neighbor when he has leaf rust the trees it's don't have any leaves yeah so um that's a big difference yeah so uh he managed nothing to is in balance no yeah. exactly yeah fantastic it's so good to have these long-term goals so 10 years all the coffees from <laughs> central america or america that's the goal yeah Ho hopefully before yeah. I think, uh, you know, uh, when they start and see how it <laughs> works, they are definitely going to change because the cost is so much lower. And uh, it's just a different way of working. And it takes some time to kind of change that. Yeah. Yeah, it takes time for sure. Nothing in coffee happens quickly. No. It's a big change. All right. Let's uh, maybe sum up. It's one and a half hour almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's look ahead a little bit because... Yeah. Uh, 2023 was a good year, I mm. think, in general. Good coffee year, good year for us. Um, difficult year for a lot of our clients, I think. Mm. But uh, I think after difficult years comes more positive years, hopefully. Yeah, looking forward to 24. Yeah. One of the first things that's happening next year is in February, there's a big coffee festival in mm. Gothenburg. Yeah. It's the Barista League people who is behind it. Mm. I think it's called Nordic Coffee Festival. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, we're looking forward to that. It's yeah. more a consumer focus. They're also doing a best roaster competition, yeah. uh, which is literally a copy of the Nordic roaster competition that is no more. Yeah. 
So um, it's good to have that again. Yeah, I think so. I, a, I asked uh, our team if they wanted to compete, and they said yes. Let's do it. Yeah, great. That's fantastic for Mats and Daniel, yeah, especially because they had probably didn't have experience with the Nordic Cross. So. No, yeah. So it's that's going to be our focus in January and February. And it's yeah. a really good lineup of uh, competition as well. Yeah. If you look at the other ones that have entered, it's like wow, cool. Coffee Collective, Copy, yeah. all those guys. Like yeah, Thixelberg and Hansen, of course. Yeah, Kaffa maybe. Yeah, there's many good roasters. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we've won the Nordic Roaster competition before, but <laughs> I am not <laughs> certain that we're winning this one for sure. It's exciting. Um, there's two categories. So there's a, you have to submit a coffee that is given to all of us. So everyone has to roast the same coffee. Um, and then you also submit uh, a coffee of your own choice, but it has to be a washed coffee from Central or South America. Yeah. And it cannot cost more than $30 per kilo, I think. Yeah. Green FOB. Yeah. So it's good to have a category like that. So you just can't come with some crazy yeah. anaerobic. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, it's just two different products. Yeah. yeah. So it will be interesting. I, I'm not sure yet what to compete with because we don't have that much coffee <laughs> left in our storage. But uh, I'm sure we will figure something out. Yeah. And we never buy coffee specifically for things like this. We always have to take from the producers we are already working with. Yeah, so and something we have in stock. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So if if it's not the best one, it's not the best one, and that's fine, you know. <laughs> no, it's not necessarily about winning either. It's just no. it's about the process. So yeah, the yeah. process is actually what motivates at least me, and yeah. I think it's, it's very also educational, motivating for the team. Yeah. We have the World of Coffee in Copenhagen, which is a big mm. coffee exhibition with, uh, you know, lots of commercial <laughs> suppliers and machine suppliers, and mm. but it's kind of the the meeting place for the coffee industry in the air, at, at least in Europe. And uh, it was last year in Greece. This year it's in Copenhagen. Mm. We have to start saving money because the Danish currency is really expensive. <laughs> yeah, Copenhagen. What a city. What a place yeah. to go. I mean, so many good bakeries and stuff there, so I'll come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 have to be there yeah. in some capacity, so we will make sure that happens. Yeah, uh, we'll probably not have a stand, but uh, we'll make sure to brew some coffee somewhere. Have some uh, yeah. pop-ups. We have some we have some good customers there, so we might have to work with them. I think. Yeah, uh, we will have uh, a finca El Suelo. Uh, release yeah. in I think it's February about 25 kilos but there will be like a little pre-sale of it so everything will kind of we will have to sell everything before we roast it yeah and uh, we will do more or less like last year where the website uh, crashes no 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 <laughs> <laughs> we'll actually it's gonna be in demand though isn't it yeah, yeah we have a plan for it so yeah. I think uh, we'll we'll try to make sure that everyone can taste and we'll also yeah. keep some in our store yeah we'll, we'll do smaller bags maybe as well so Everyone can get a little bit, or yeah, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> 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 We're uh, also actually working on some new espresso cups. Yes, yeah. Which is uh, we we already have some in our store that is handmade for us, but uh, the lady who made them for us uh, has retired, so we had to find a new manufacturer. And uh, when we find a new person, we also want to change the design a little bit because we don't feel like copying other people's design. So even though we have an influence on how they look and how they feel and how they, much they weigh and how big they yeah. are, we still want to kind of make something new. So hopefully we will have something ready in June or July. 
that's the goal. Yeah. And uh, we hopefully will be able to sell a little bit this time because a lot of people are asking for it. Yeah, make a few and more. And some people are stealing them, which yeah. is not very nice. They disappear. Yeah. That's a fun project, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And um, it's such a big part of the drinking experience. If you have good cups, exactly. it tastes so much yeah. better. So. And we always go for something bigger rather than smaller because yeah. yeah. like love getting an espresso in a huge cup where you can really put your whole face into and yeah. swirl it around and you know we don't go for those old style traditional tiny little Italian espresso cups on the sources no. and if you if you wonder why then just taste it side by side you will understand yeah <laughs> coffee cools down a bit swirl yeah yeah I mean you, you saw this year uh, this little ice stones that uh, Sasa Sestich released par the par par paradigm or something uh, i don't remember the no. name i keep confusing it with the the driver from callaway i'm in the golf <laughs> world now also called paradigm so the big, big birth it's a very that. similar name but uh it's like a ice metal balls that you cool down the espresso with to make it taste better yeah and uh we basically kind of do the same but we we use cold cups when oh, we i haven't heard about them interesting huh yeah check it out are you not on Instagram? <laughs> as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, as little as possible. I just watch uh, Hoffman's videos yeah. and uh, that's about it, really. Yeah. yeah. So, And of course, I listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, so you should. I, I actually highly recommend if you're into coffee and want to know, like a lot of times people ask me what grinder to get and stuff like that. Mm. Just follow James Hoffman or Lance Hedrick mm. on YouTube. They have really good content there yeah um, up to date yeah um so i make sure to follow it all the time myself yeah, i really enjoy their content um and if you do that you are pretty much updated on more yeah. or less what you need yeah. at least in terms of brewing and stuff like that of course there's a lot of stuff going on with green coffee and uh, where it's a little bit more difficult to kind of find one source so you have to be mm. a little bit more creative um yeah but the best way is to actually connect with producers yeah for sure anything else that's happening next year uh i guess from my perspective i'm looking forward to working with our our wholesale partners more and more um i want to travel more in norway so i want to get outside of oslo and visit um like i talked about you know, go to bergen yeah coffee Michon, see these institutions around the country and mm. yeah just spend some time there um I guess, yeah, I don't have big plans for 2024. It's just, yeah. Business as usual. Business as usual, yeah. continue. Continue. We'll see how we go. Yeah. I feel like things change all the time so fast here. Yeah. And we just go year to year and it always seems to work out pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we work hard and yeah. uh, we also have a long-term plan. Yeah. I mean, without that, we would be lost, I think. So it's kind of, we have a map. And yeah. we know where the goal is, uh, but sometimes you have to take a detour to get there. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, one of the things that has been extremely important to our company for the last two years, where my wife, Cecilia, was uh, kind of hired to help me restructure the company a little bit. But also one of the important things she did was to write down my thoughts onto paper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what I mean about that is like the company strategy, uh, what's our goals yeah. all these kind of things what do we stand for and not only writing it down but also communicating it to everyone who works here so i just had a meeting this morning where i told uh we were talking about leadership in the company and um 
uh, they said, well, it's because you're here every day to take those decisions, they said. It was mm. an example. And I mm. said, well, actually, no. Like now I don't have to take those decisions every day because you can take them. Mm. Um, I'm pointing at you, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, if you if you wonder about the question, you kind of already yeah. know the answer. Yeah, exactly. And that has changed, I think. Be- before it was much more kind of person uh, depending yeah. on me. Um, but yeah. now you can make good decisions without me. Yeah. And that's a big difference. And if you run a company and if you don't like have a long-term strategy, then I highly recommend sitting down for a few days, just thinking about, okay, where do I want to go yeah. in the next years? And uh, where are you heading? Yeah. What do you want with the company? Mm. For us, we, we have a, like a personal goal, and that is to come to a certain volume of coffee. So we mentioned earlier, I want to buy, be able to buy more coffee from Elias mm. because he produces more than he can sell. Mm. The same with the Caballeros, the same with uh, Hobnil, the same with Diego, mm. the same with the guys in Ethiopia. So I have kind of a personal goal where it's a container from each. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not at all cost. It's not like, no, no, you know, for sure. Yeah. And um, we just want to maintain the quality and, and you know, have fun and, and, you know, do what we like to do. Yeah. And have a positive influence on the on our industry and the people we work with. That's kind of the goal. Yeah. And make a good workplace for yeah, everyone. Yeah, exactly. And in order to make a good workplace, you do need to have some business. You can't like yeah. just faff around with a kilo roaster, and <laughs> 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 that's no good. Yeah, so but it's the journey. Like it's that's the fun things that I like. It's when I go to, to somewhere like we have a s- customer called Idlib, right? Yeah, um, they're a small bakery in Oslo. They just opened their second kind of cafe with the best sourdough, and it, I just get inspired by being there because I see that they're passionate. Yeah. They focus on quality. Yeah, you know, they just they don't sell much coffee, but it's so fun to be with them. Yeah, so they're the highlights of my job. Yeah. Is, is seeing people succeed like that. Yeah, I mean, I started the, this company because I love working with coffee and serving people good coffee. I still feel like I do that, even mm. though I don't work in the bar. Mm. Like that's what what it's all about to make a positive impact. And uh, in order to serve good coffee, you need to also work with good coffee producers. Mm. That's you know the yeah. whole whole chain. So it's simple and easy. I think uh, we. I know that we're going to lose a few big customers next year. So uh, volume-wise, I will be super happy if we're able to maintain the volume we have mm. worked so hard to get. Mm. Um, so that's kind of my goal for next year. Yeah. Uh, it's not more than that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll like we'll grow in some markets. We'll grow in the office coffee sector. I think. Yeah. I think you know we'll pick up more customers abroad you know just hopefully yeah yeah so, <laughs> yeah but i mean like w- like i said at the start we have 300 or something small wholesale customers yeah um maybe maybe a fifth of them order regularly and order you know quite decent volumes yeah so they're my priority like i focus on giving them good service and good support mm. but uh yeah it's really fun to get new customers and, and hear about new people and and you know find out about them and how they're going to brew the coffee and yeah so yeah and still they seem to have at least from what i hear from you they still seem to have the same problems they had 10 years ago which is how do i make this coffee taste better yeah Uh, so when you're visiting them you're helping them calibrate it's pretty simple yeah Uh, you don't have to have fancy the most fancy equipment and the most fancy up-to-date techniques it's still about getting good coffee make sure you have good water a decent brewer and a decent grinder 
and uh, that's all that's we need. That's it. Yeah. Training and just follow the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So don't don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Thanks, uh, Ben, for joining us. Um, I hope the listeners enjoyed listening to our long rant. Yeah. It's not a rant. <laughs> Summary. Well, we I got guess. a little bit negative in the middle there, but no, not negative. Critical, I think. Yeah. yeah you have to be critical to what's happening. Um, yeah. If, if nobody has the guts to say anything, then nothing will change. Yeah. So. Um, we're here to make a positive change and uh, it's hard to see uh, that still after I've been 25 years in the business and I've heard the gospel of you know oh we have to respect the farmers more and blah 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 I see the opposite happening at the moment yeah. and that's not a good Practical thing way. so let us try to encourage all the roasters out there to change yeah. that forever yeah so. should that be the last words let's end it like that yeah. <laughs> See you in 2024. See you in 2024. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, make sure to check out all the episodes we mentioned in this episode. And also, uh, we have some uh, videos on YouTube that we also mentioned. We'll put some links down below so uh, it's easier for you to see them. Thank you for a great 2023 and thank for supporting us, all our listeners and all our customers and all our guests. It's been a fabulous year and uh, let's hope that 2024 becomes even greater.